Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by Bloke in a Bar, the smoothest, crispest, easiest drinking lager in the history of mankind. Uh, allegedly, you punch 10% harder, but I will leave that to the soon-to-potentially-be-professional boxer, Harry Garside, uh, to let us know what he thinks of the beer and if it helps his punches. <laughs> How you going, brother? Good, mate. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait to try this beer out. Hopefully it does increase. Might, might have it before my first fight. <laughs> Who knows? Mate, if you do when you're walking out, do it. You'll be an Australian icon. <laughs> I if, love that. If you sink some piss and then knock someone out, that's it. Boom, game over. <laughs> Bob Hawke. He did that. Remember oh, the cricket? So mate, good. What a legend. So good. What a what, man. <laughs> what a man. Absolutely. Um, Harry Garside obviously recently represented the country uh, at the Olympics. Men's lightweight, uh, and you won the bronze at the Olympics. So, how's it been for you? You know, you, it's such a like mythological thing. The Olympics, you know, it's like something that exists. It's it feels real, but it's really just an idea in all of our heads. But it's such an, a grand thing. What was it like for you? Yeah, first of all, I received the bronze. Um, Flo Mayweather has a great quote where he's like, "You can't win a bronze when you lose," and um, I think that's so true, so accurate. Good point. And, Good point. Um, yeah, I think for me it was it was just a great opportunity. I failed to make the Olympics five different times, mm. um, so to finally get the opportunity to to put on the green and gold and at every every young person I know for me every young person wants to go to the Olympics and wants to represent their country. And moments in two thousand and four, Grant Hackett, the Athens Olympics, and, mm. and two thousand and five, Australia versus Uruguay, like yeah. to to qualify for the World Cup, like moments like that really formed my childhood and. To finally get the opportunity to to represent our country on the biggest stage, like I was such so grateful to be honest. Yes, and so you know, how, how does it come? How do you qualify for the Olympics? Is it winning fights? Is it a tournament? Yeah, it's a long process. So it used to be a lot easier for Australian athletes or boxers more so to qualify. So before the twenty twelve the twenty twelve Olympics, sorry. So we had to go through Oceania, which there's New Zealand and a couple of Islander countries, and um, you usually just have to win that. And it's it's pretty easy. We for the twenty twelve Olympics, we had all boxers qualified, mm. and then twenty sixteen they changed it. And we had to go through Asia. So. To start, you have to win your state title, then your national title, and then you have to go through Asia. And if you're unfortunate, you don't make the top, I think it's top four or top five in Asia and you're weight, then you have one more chance and, and that's at the world qualifier. So it's a bit of a process, but most sports are run in a system like that um, where they have to actually win games. Like I know soccer is based on like the Asian championships and stuff like that. Yep. And um, Yeah, it's a long process, but I think – the system now, 2016 and 2020 Olympics, when you qualify through Asia, you're a much better chance to actually do something at the Olympics. Okay. And, um, it makes it a lot harder. Um, but as I said, it, it brings the quality of boxes up in, in Australia, I think. When you say Asia, do you mean Southeast Asia or do you mean all of Asia? All of Asia. So I think Jordan, Jordan's in, in uh, so some of the Middle East yep. and then leading all the way into, into Australia and New Zealand. Wow. So it's, it's a, a lot of countries and yeah. Philippines, uh, Uzbekistan, mm. uh, Kazakhstan, really, these guys are really, really good at boxing and, yep. and they're in our uh, division, which is, uh, it's wow. pretty tough. Yeah. Far out. So how did you progress to be selected for the Olympics? Yeah, so I had a different one actually, mate. It was because of COVID. It's, mm. it's not usually happened like this. So I failed to actually make the Tokyo Olympics twice. Mm. So I lost against Uzbekistan, who ended up winning the Asian qualifiers. 
And then I had one more chance against uh, Manash Kaushik, who I fought at the Com Games, the Indian opponent, and I beat him at the Com Games, and he beat me at the Olympic qualifiers, so oh. he got me where it counts. Yep. <laughs> um, but like, I knew I had one more chance, and I was in a really good mindset because I performed really well. I think oh, I thought at the time, and I was just trying to say to myself, "You know, you got one more chance. Don't let this slip." And then, because of COVID, the last qualifier got cancelled, so there was a bit of uncertainty, which was. It was pretty shit to be honest like it sucked there was uncertainty and i was just saying to myself though like i'm just gonna stay fit stay hungry stay motivated keep working on what i can work on and whenever they give me the chance whenever it is i'll be ready yeah um, but due to COVID, it got cancelled um and i actually got given my spot so i didn't win it i got given it based on my rankings because it was pretty high yep okay um so it wasn't i'll be honest mate i'm an honest athlete i wanted to qualify through winning yep. i wanted to win my spot mm. like everyone else does but i think that gave me a little bit of added like motivation to to prove that i deserve to be at the olympics yep. rather than if i lost in my first fight at the olympics yeah. i would have went my whole life thinking i just got given that spot and i yep. would have been pretty disheartened so yep. i trained really hard and and made sure that i actually did something at the olympics yep well, it's um, it's crazy to think like how how much it impacted the pandemic, impacted the world, and like so many different things that you know you'd been working your whole life for that, and then all of a sudden it it happens. You know, it gets given to you, but you kind of feel like fuck. Like I've worked so hard for this, and it's just given to me. You know, because you you say you failed to qualify four times all up. Uh, four for the Summer Olympics, and then once for the Youth Olympics. So four wow. for the Big Olympics. Yeah. And then it just like gets given to you, but then it kind of worked in your favor because you put a little fire under you to say, fuck, I'm not going to go there and lose straight away. Yeah. And I, it's so important. Like the, the reality is what I realized pretty early in my boxing career when I started traveling is like we're fighting and competing. The best boxers in the world usually come from third world countries. Mm. They usually come from really humble yep. beginnings. And I think for me, I just remember coming back to my life and thinking, I don't really have the same hunger that they have. Their hunger is different. Mm. So I was literally just trying to find motivation from anything and everything. Mm. Someone says the slightest thing to me, it's like, you can't do this. Add that to my motivation. Yeah. Add that to the the fire in my belly and the things that make me get up and, mm. and actually try and train hard and, and prove myself on the international stage. Yeah, it is interesting. Like where, where does someone find that fire if there is no friction to create the fire and yeah as you said third world country they're doing it to live like Manny Pacquiao is a perfect example of that like this guy was pretty much homeless um when and like lived at a you know you would know the story but yeah that, that fire it comes from hardship yeah um it's just different as well I think in the sense of like my motivation doesn't mean it's all relative mm. you mean so it's like someone's struggle is still valid yeah. for sure but I think it's just different. They're fighting for completely different reasons. And, mm. and I think as Australian fighters, we don't have, I think personally, and I could be wrong, but I, I think I, in this country we don't have like life-threatening problems. And mm. um, it's just a bit different in some other countries. And, and I think because of that, I realised that and I just knew I had to like make sure that my obsession, my want, my desire, my passion, mm. um, my commitment, was as at the same level as their their hunger yeah. to 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 prove themselves because it's yeah. for different reasons. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so, okay, so you get selected and you go over there. What, yeah, what's the the feeling like internally? Is it, is it nervousness? Is it you know? Is there a sense of being a bit afraid or confidence? Like, what are you feeling? Yeah, there's an element of everything. It's a bit of a cocktail, to be yeah. honest. Um, it's quite it's quite amazing when you train for something for 15 years and then 
it's it's finally here. Like it's a weird thing, and I think as well, not being able to fight eighteen months prior to the Olympics due to COVID, mm. like the feeling of that, the angst of that was like it was almost like I was having my first fight again, and yeah. and there was made some serious nerves. That first fight was one of the most full on places that I've ever been mentally. Um, like some of the thoughts were going through my head, and 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 it was extremely negative. Um, but to be able to sit in that and and to navigate through that and just understand almost as a combat athlete, this is pretty normal. Mm. Like, like I think some people like might may get those thoughts or their body might ache from nervousness and and stuff like that. And I think some people get a little bit scared from it and 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 it sort of throws them off their game. But I think through experiences and reali- realizing that like it's pretty normal, mm. I was able to navigate through that and 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 was able to like tell myself like just a couple deep conscious breaths and when those thoughts were coming up just realizing that my brain is just trying to play games with me and we all have a good and a bad wolf inside of us and Mm. there's there's someone who's telling us how shit we are and and then there's also someone who's who's telling us how good we are you mean it's just like you just got to play that game and and constantly when those bad thoughts were coming up just trying to knock them down straight away and 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 feed them with positivity right more so yeah it's interesting how like athletes deal with it differently like everyone deals with it quite differently like i used to when i got nervous i would be like this is good this means i'm ready this means i'm fucking i'm in the right frame yeah i don't if i if i'm not nervous then i'm too calm and i don't want to be i need to be fucking but then there's some people that are literally sleeping before they come out, you know, it's very, very different. Like weird how people deal with it different, like yeah. totally different. I'm probably more so, of course there is angst there for sure, but I'm probably more so the more relaxed. Yep. Like okay. I always notice when I'm underprepared, then I try and, I don't know, like I try and overcompensate when yep. I'm preparing. And what I notice when I'm fully prepared and ready for a moment, I'm actually really relaxed. Mm, okay. um, and, I, and I always notice I perform better when I have less emotion. Yeah. Okay. So when I when when and this is because some as you said everyone's different mm. and the best thing about athletes is how, how unique we Absolutely. are. Absolutely. There's some athletes who I've seen in boxing they'll be punching themselves in the face before yeah. the fight and and they'll be getting hyped up and, and you look at you look at like a you know he's the pinnacle but you look at a Mike Tyson he almost looks like he's in pain he's so angry you know what I mean <laughs> That's a good way of putting he it. almost looks like he's hurting like whenever I see Mike Tyson walk out I see pain mm. I see trauma mm. but it's it's scary trauma and then so like you know you obviously sorry you can keep going but that's kind of like different way yeah, to deal with it 100 that's the thing they're just so different and yeah. i think what i realized for myself the fights that i have lost uh in my boxing career i've got a bit emotional during the fight mm. and i think that what i realized i'm lucky that i realized that early so it's like i'm just gonna stay calm and and trust in my uh, preparation and trust yeah. in my ability and and take emotion out of it and um, just realizing like you've just got to get in there execute your game plan don't let your emotions get the better of you and and it's just like some fights aren't you I mean i don't do that but yeah. most fights i'm pretty happy that i can separate myself and my emotions pretty yep. well um so before we get into your olympic run take us back to a young fella so you obviously you grew up um are you from melbourne yeah originally so you, so you grew up in melbourne uh it was it always you know boxing like from get-go or was it afl or was it yeah, so I played all sports growing up. Um, I'm the youngest of three boys and my whole family's really active. My parents yeah. really supported us doing sport, which I think is like one of the most valuable things. So you learn so much from playing sport when you're oh, younger no. and about teamwork and, and, and not being a sore loser and, and hard work and mm. showing up. And if you want results, you have to actually show up and put in the work. You can't just like 
and I think I'm very blessed that I played AFL, played uh, cricket, um, soccer, basketball. I was really blessed that my parents gave me that opportunity. And mm. um, I started boxing when I was nine, and my brothers didn't do it, but like once I started boxing, like I fell in love with that like so quickly, and mm. and and within the next sort of twelve months, I gave up all other sports and really just focused on on boxing. It's funny that you say that, like. I mean, you agree how important sport is. I was literally, what's today? Today's Tuesday. So on Sunday, I was like driving with the missus and I was like, it doesn't matter what, like, it doesn't matter what school we send our kids to when we have kids. But the most important thing is, is they do a team sport because not only does it teach about all the things that you said, but it teaches you about handling loss. Mm, and like so handling important. loss is one of the most important things as a human you could ever fucking. Yeah. Um, and you build confidence in those losses. And resilience yeah, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the world we live in now, and I'm no, I'm not the Dalai Lama or, or Gandhi or anything like You're that. The, I, I thought he was when you walked in. I was like, <laughs> that's the fucking Dalai Lama boxing people or some shit. You know what I mean? But <laughs> the like, Dalai Lama represent Australia. That's, that's what I thought. But anyway, sorry, apologies. I'm sure that happens a lot. <laughs> but um, I, I think the world we live in now, it's like we're giving everyone a trophy and, and oh, everyone yeah. gets a participation award. Watch and and I, I think, I don't know, it doesn't actually prepare you for when you become an adult and yep. you actually fail or, or life knocks you down and, and that happens. And I know I'm, I'm pretty scared for young people when, you know, when they're actually 20, 30 and, and stuff happens, some mm. really life-challenging moments and have they built up enough like resilience in their childhood to to get through that or navigate through that. I'm not sure. And um, yeah, I just know, as you said, like when I have kids as well, I'll be making sure that they, they do sport as well. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, getting a bit deep here, but I feel like this generation, even we're guilty of it. Even my generation of 34 years old, even the older generation, like we're all looking at ways to feel nothing, whether it be happiness or sadness, we just don't want to feel anything. And I think that the, like art or anything great is usually comes from pain and doesn't actually come from happiness. Like you don't really achieve greatness when you're happy constantly, or even when you're just Zen, mm. like, don't get me wrong. There's Buddhists and that, that are out in the middle of nowhere, um, achieving enlightenment, but how, what are they contributing to the world? Whereas mm. a Steve jobs or whatever, that, that everything that he ever achieved was from pain for, was from, you know, abandonment as a kid. Look at Manny Pacquiao, you know, you look at Floyd, his addiction to boxing. Mm. Um, and so I, I agree with you that you need to feel loss. So it, f it creates fires. Yeah, I think, I can, I can only speak for myself, but I think for myself, like just realising a lot of my hunger, motivation and, and why I want to prove myself so much comes from insecurities, yeah. which is similar to pain. It's Absolutely. like trauma and, um, and just realising that a lot of, the, the reason why I want to be so successful is because I never felt good enough when I was yep. younger. And, and I think a lot of people like that. A lot of people in high performance environments, are like they're just trying to fill the needs that they didn't get met when they were younger. And yep. no matter what the experience is, they may not have felt loved by a parent or they may have felt a little bit of an abandonment or whatever it may be. Like mm. they felt that when they were younger and it's like, we're all just a bunch of little kids running around yeah. trying to get those needs met. And Absolutely. it's quite interesting. I know I've noticed that for me personally, when I go into relationships, how like, how I act sometimes, like I want to be loved this way or, or it's because you know, maybe I was lacking that when I was younger. And mm. it's quite interesting realizing that the older you get and, and just like, man, I'm just a little kid trying to get Absolutely. my needs met. <laughs> and it's, and you're constantly chasing an expectation that doesn't really, it only exists in your head. 100%. There's an expectation of like, well, this is what I should be. This is how I should feel. 
this is how you should love me when in reality like we're just really existing and that's not that doesn't actually exist you're just it's a thought in your head like you know even for me personally like you know i want bloke in a bar to be the biggest in the country and then in the world and then you know i want to be crazy successful but that's only because i have an expectation in my internally of that's who i should be when reality like that is just a thought it doesn't really exist um and you're totally right like you look at michael jordan for example he would like create issues uh with opponents saying like you know he said this about me and the guy's like bro i never even said that um but uh, yeah i agree i think i think greatness comes out of pain and insecurity yeah, yeah. um now it's you know obviously you don't go around fucking punching yourself in the dick or some shit don't sit <laughs> don't sit while you listen to this don't be punching yourself in the dick going okay now i'm gonna be great <laughs> but if you've had bad things to you embrace them and be better yeah that's the thing I, what i've realized is in a high performance environment people often look at things as opportunities rather than problems. Absolutely. And and maybe you don't know that when you're younger, for sure. Yeah. You're not mature enough. But like the older I've got, I've like everything that happens, COVID last year, mm. I remember just thinking like, what is the universe trying to teach me in this moment? And mm. I always just try and look at it as like an opportunity. There's always like, like anything really negative could happen to your life. And, and if you have that mindset, it takes off the force of how negative it actually is. And you're trying mm. to look for the lesson. You're trying to grow. It's that growth mindset. And I think yeah. most people in high performance environments have that mindset. And that's why I'm addicted to the environment too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you're constantly moving forward, it's very hard to have a loss, have a loss because like whatever happens, you're learning from that experience. It's a win or learn that John Kavanagh from Conor McGregor. But um, so you took up boxing just for the activity side. It wasn't because you wanted to protect yourself or anything like that, just from the pure. Yeah. So uh, I tell this story a fair bit. So my uh, two older brothers and my dad were really like blokey, the stereotypical yep. blokes. And um, they're always, I live in a bit of a smaller town and, and, they're always at the back, buddy, playing with power tools or digging holes, doing blokey things mm. or stereotypical blokey stuff. And yep. I was more connected to my mum and what my mum was doing. I spent a lot more time with my mum inside and mm. or going shopping or, or cooking. And and I just felt like I didn't get, because of that, I didn't get much respect from my dad or my brothers. Mm. And they didn't do boxing, but like we watched heaps of Rocky films and they're fantastic movies. And I think I just initially... You mean wanted to do something different and, and gain a little bit of respect because yeah. I thought that was what blokes do and yeah. brothers are always fighting at home or on the footy field and, mm. and I was like not connected to that at all and um, yeah once I started I fell in love with the sport like within the first week and there's a combination of reasons why but I think my coach plays a big role mm. feeding me with a lot of positivity and and it's just one of those things it's you go in such a vulnerable state when you're in that ring yeah. and to, to get in there and overcome a fear of like, I'm going to get hurt, I'm going to hurt. And to overcome that and that feeling afterward, I, I think is is like quite refreshing. And I still get that now and I've yeah. been boxing for 15 years. So Yeah, no, it's, um, it's interesting how, you know, you feel that insecurity of like, you know, not being masculine enough or whatever, but how quickly just learning how to fight, not bashing anyone else, not, not that at all, but just the, the, the skill set of being able to protect yourself. Put, pull, pulls your chest up a little bit more, yeah. makes you stand a little bit taller. What I've noticed as well is I, I'm a massive one. I really would love to integrate combat sport. Maybe not boxing. I can understand the backlash with head trauma yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. But like wrestling, judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, whatever it is, there's a lot of like good lessons for young people to learn, boy and girl, to learn in 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 those environments like self-love self-confidence uh respect for this for themselves and respect for other people and 
in most of those sports you have to bow to years like sensei you master and there's just a lot of good lessons mm. that i think they would take into the rest of their life and and to be in such a vulnerable place on a mat um, cage or ring is is quite like amazing and and I think it's like we're often taught in society it's not that natural, but I think it's the most natural thing we can do is, uh, as humans is being combat. Mm. That's what we did when thousands and thousands of years ago trying to find food and yep. um, fight against animals and, and that's like it feels so natural for me and I just think in the world we live in now we're told that it's not natural, but I, I really do think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think um, I think it, you would see this all the time, all the time. And like I've had a little bit of experience in boxing gyms, so I see it a little bit. And I saw it in myself too, not that I was like some hyper-aggressive person, but just how often you would see a guy externally tough, brash, arrogant, all the toxic traits that it is a man, walk into a gym and within six months he's humble, he's respectful because he gets humbled because he realises that that little guy looks like an accountant, can beat the shit out of you. Um, and so I, I totally agree. I, I think I agree like the, the boxing side of things, I understand the head trauma thing, but things like jujitsu that are very low impact and think those things can teach like women too, definitely, yeah. like definitely not excluding them, but especially young men, because as you said, for hundreds of thousands of years, young men would go off to war. And so it's in the blood when they hit the 16 to 22, 23 year old, they, they're used to going to war and either dying or living. And that's why they, you see a lot of suicide rates around the, you know, the, tw the 25 to 35-year-old age or even to 40 because they feel like they're, a useless, they're useless now. Mm -hmm. They become useless to society. Um, and so if you get these young men uh, into combat sport or into team environments, whether it's rugby league, it really takes off that edge of the toxicity that exists within them. Yeah, it's interesting as well. And I think that team environment is so important. I feel like... Like the world we live in now is like the most medicated, most addicted, most obese, most disconnected yeah. like society we've ever yeah. been in, in the human history. And I feel like people are just wanting to connect. And, and that's why like I feel like the world's in a shambles because we're actually not really we – we feel like we're connected on our phones. But like how many people have actually got genuine connections? Are they part yeah. of a group or part of a community? And I think, yeah, to be involved in, in – and that's the thing. That's half the reason why I love the boxing gym as well. Like – the family that I had growing up, obviously mm. I had a really good family, my actual family, but the boxing family was through the roof as well. And, and mm. to go there and, and feel like a sense of home and mm. like, this is my place. And I know I feel like I, I felt, I felt like I belonged there. And yep. um, I think that's so important, no matter what it is to just feel like so humans can connect and, and feel like they're a part of something rather than feeling so disconnected. Absolutely. I mean, from my experience, you know, you'll never feel more alive than on a footy field, working together with another group of men or women um, to achieve a, a goal. Like even we used to go on army camps, you know, like the SAS show and that, similar to that, but maybe even more brutal. Um, and even though you're in the depths of pain, you've got blisses everywhere, you've fucking, you, just, you're, you haven't slept for two days, you'll never feel the exhilaration of that deep connection of like, we, are, so we, we need each other to survive. It's crazy, that feeling. Crazy. Yeah. It's a, you I, can't get much deeper. Yeah, I often I would love to. I always thought I was going to join the army when I left school. But yeah, I thought I was going to join. Yeah, um, then boxing, like, become way too serious. But, um, yeah, I always, like, would love to just, like, 
really feel the brotherhood or the connection that army yep. people feel when they're in that like in that zone because it's like it's crazy like you think the boxing rings a vulnerable state imagine yeah. like a bullet going through oh. your head or imagine losing your best mate and oh. you just have to like stay in like i don't know it's a pretty full-on space and have absolute respect and admiration for anyone who who protects oh. our country absolute wild wild like the things that the mental toughness that they it's just yeah incredible um so what we were just talking about it earlier but you know you started boxing but um you, you, it wasn't like you came in and you were just the man. You, you took quite a while to warm to it. So walk us through those first few years of, of amateur boxing. Yeah, it was pretty tough, mate. I lost uh, 10 out of my first 18 fights. And um, yeah, it was, like, was kind of like looked as like a bit of an easy opponent. And I, I'm pretty grateful that I had that because I think it's it's fired this massive com- competitiveness and, and hunger inside of me to prove myself. And um, yeah, it was a long journey to actually finally get some success. Like went to four national championships, losing in my first fight of the championships. Holy shit. Yeah, and then finally in my fifth one, I was able to take it out. And um, yeah, it was like, and then the rest is history. But like those first few years, I think if it wasn't for my coach, Brian Avia, like feeding me with a lot of positivity and, um you know sometimes a bit of tough loving and i, I like that like mm. tell me how shit i am please yep. because i want to mm. i want to grow and i want to get better and um yeah he was really good at like that good mix of feeding me with enough positivity that i'm like i, I tried to believe in myself but also like telling me sometimes when i'm doing things wrong and saying it in a stern way that you remember i don't know if you remember like lessons that your parents may have told you when you were younger like don't ever do that like mm. or i'm not angry i'm disappointed like moments like yeah. that i think brian uh, my coach was able to do that and and these these things just made me like train harder and after a win lose or draw when i was younger i'd always be at the gym the next day trying to improve on it and um you know as i said i'm pretty happy that i didn't have success early because if i did i probably would have i don't know, lost motivation potentially i'm not sure and so what did your coach and i don't mean this disrespectfully but what did he see in you to say you know, you lost first 10 of 18. Like, in my opinion, if there's a footy player and he's that age and he's, like, you know, in the local league can barely make the first side, he's, you know, just not even close to the, the first grade side as a 16-year-old, like, you know, under 16s or whatever, I would be like, man, maybe this isn't for you, you know? Yeah, he actually did He actually did say that to me okay. once. So, um, but that it took a while to get there, but he yeah. definitely did say that to me once. I remember... Um, like when, when a national event he like I, I i fought terribly and and he said to me he's like maybe this sport isn't for you mm. you know what I mean maybe you should, he always just his joke maybe you should go play tunnel ball or, or something <laughs> something like that i'll tell you what i'll beat anyone at tunnel ball <laughs> one-on-one greatest tunnel what a, ball what a game, what a game. <laughs> um, but yeah he would say things like that to me oh he only said it once but i think that's like a moment that's a turning point it's like you can either crumble and go yeah maybe i'm not cut out for it or you like Fuck it! I'm gonna I'm gonna up everything, and and that's what I did. I leveled up, and um, from the from moments like that, I was able to like. But I think what he saw in me was I showed up every day, and I was obsessed, and I Mm. still am. Like I love the sport; it's all I know. And um, I think he saw that. He saw how hungry I was, and you know how hard I trained, and and how much I wanted. And regardless if you're a good fighter naturally or not, like you're eventually if you keep knocking on the door, you'll eventually break it down and. It just took a long, long time. A few too many knocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, perseverance, absolutely incredible. So, um, okay, so when did it start clicking for you then? Because you obviously won gold at the Commonwealth Games. Um, how old were you when you won gold? Uh, 20. 
You were 20. So, you know, what, at what age did it really start going, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm learning now, I'm winning comps. So, you know, it says seven-time uh, Australian champion. Yeah, yeah. So when did that start kicking in? Yeah, so there was, there's a few different points. Um, the first one at the national level was my last loss in Australia um, against Liam Wilson, who's, a, who's an exceptional yeah, boxer. He yeah, he really, just really. lost his last one, eh, to that. Yeah, yeah, he did, and he will come back. He's an absolutely mm. exceptional athlete. He'll you know what? I, I think because um, I've I actually spoke to Liam years ago, um, and I'd kind of vaguely watched his career, and I just think that um, he got to a point where he was he. I think the level of fighter was just a bit too big of a step, and he was used to dominating with his you know hands down. I think he had a real good left hook. Um, and, and so I agree with you. I think this is actually the perfect thing for him because mm-hmm. I think he'll learn a lot from it because he, he was still dangerous in the fight that he lost. Yeah. The other guy just looked like he had more experience. Uh, yeah, just more experience, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and he's, as a, he's an exceptional athlete. And, like, just watching him through, he was the top boy in the amateurs when I yep. was younger. And I have absolute respect for him. He's an absolute exceptional boxer. Yeah, great um, boxer. Yeah, great, really, really good. And he's got punching power and a Absolutely. half. Absolutely. And he, so I'd watched all his previous fights and he'd been yeah. finishing blokes and, and quite handedly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. I do yeah. think he'll bounce back. Yeah, sure. he'll bounce back for sure. But he was – so that was a bit of a turning point. He was my last loss in Australia, 2013. And he um, – yeah, like like he, he beat me well and truly. But, like, that was the first moment I won a couple of fights in the Nationals and was like, okay, if I, like, train really hard, maybe I can win one of these. And, yeah. Um, yeah, the next nationals, I trained really, really hard, and I remember like going, like, I have to make sure I win this, and I finally won it. And so I think Liam was a massive turning point. That was the moment I started believing myself more. Yeah. 2016 Olympic, so I tried for the Rio Olympics, and and did it. Won a few fights at the World Qualifier, so I beat Germany, Korea, and then lost to Turkey. And if I won that, I would have made Rio. But yep. that was a moment as well where I was like, okay, like I'm fresh 18 and I'm, I'm winning, some, winning some fights against Germany and Korea. They yep. were pretty good. And um, I was happy with how I was boxing at that time. And I just kept leveling up. Moments like this just kept leveling up. And um, yeah, the, like 2017, 2016, 2017, just trained really hard and, mm. and finally got the opportunity in 2018. And so <clears throat> how did you qualify for the Commonwealth Games? Did you just buy winning? Yeah, so it's a, it's a bit easier to qualify for the Com Games in the sense of like you just have to win your state and national title. So it's yep. not like the Olympics where you have to qualify internationally. Yep. You just have to win. And and realistically, of course, there are really good fighters, amateur in Australia, but it's not a massive sport. So mm. there'd probably be one, sometimes two people enter from each state. Like sometimes, I know, I think I only had to win two fights um, you know, to, to make the Commonwealth Games yep. and... and it's just like we just say it's not a massive sport in Australia. Mm. Yeah. So when you went to the Commonwealth Games, were you expected to win, or was this something that was, you know, someone some of the boys back home made a bit of money on me, so I'm not too oh, sure. Really? Yeah, I'm not too sure on what the odds were, but <laughs> I definitely wasn't expected. I, I think the Indian uh, Luke McCormack, not Luke McCormack. Um, Oh, what was his name? The English bloke, uh, I forget his name, it's escaped my mind, but there was a few other people who were probably more favourite to win it. Crazy, um, like the Indian, he's got to qualify from a country that has a billion people. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't Do it? Do you know what I mean? Like, the, <laughs> So the, the standard should technically be so much higher because it's so much higher. Like him, put it this way, him qualifying for India is like you qualifying for Australia, but the population is timesed by 
more than 100. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like 100 Australians fighting each other and then you get all the way to the top. That's how good he's going to be to qualify. 100%. And he's an exceptional athlete. And, yeah. and as well, as we mentioned at the start of this, like, his hunger and want. Yep. It's a poverty-stricken country. It's the only way out, probably. Only yeah. way out. Yeah. So, and he's, he does really well. He, he got a bronze medal at the 2017 World Championships. On mm. 19, I can't, 19, sorry. Um, so, yeah, he's an exceptional athlete. And, um, yeah, I think one of those boys with a favourite and – um, I would definitely would have been maybe top six potentially. Yep. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have been number one for sure. And so um, walk us through, walk us through the tournament. Yeah, so I fought two African nations first up, Ghana and Namibia. Um, African nations are, are usually really awkward. Um, they have punching power, quick yep. hands. Very long, athletic. Very athletic, long arms. Yep. Um, very awkward. And, mm. and, and like the continent boxes like that and – um, yeah, it was like good fights to get through. They're a little bit awkward, but I was mm. able to see the punches coming. And in the third fight, fought Scotland. Scotland are like brawlers. They love sort of punching on. And mm. um, and then the semi-final, which is a really close one against Welsh. He was a bit of a boxer. And me and him just played a bit of a chess game. It's like who's waiting, who's throwing first. Yep. And um, yeah, won that on a split and then fought the Indian in the final. And he was uh, an exceptional athlete, both South Wars and... Um, both very very similar in our style and it was a great good hard fight and it won down on a spirit split as well and yeah like that feeling it, it was so electric that was a moment as well where i truly started to believe that maybe i could achieve my dream and win a gold at the olympics and yep. um that feeling of being able to like run to my friends and run to my family mum and dad and give them all a cuddle in that arena like was really special it's crazy to be the guy from in like yeah as i said it's like you qualifying like hundreds of times of australia getting through all those people um during the fight did you feel like you had it in control yeah i did so there was it was really close fight and as i said we have mirror up um styles so it was very similar in how we were boxing each other but um it was a really close fight but i, I said to my coach and I, kevin smith the national coach um i asked him after and he, he's pretty honest i said do you think you got it He's like, yeah, I think you do. Yep. And, I, and I could see he truly believed it. And mm. um, yeah, the fight was really close and I knew that and, and it deserved a split decision. And mm. um, yeah, to, to, to get that result, I was like over the moon. And so has the Indian guy gone on to be pro or is no, he still amateur? Yeah, so he's still amateur. I think most countries in the world, they don't really turn pro. It's only some of Europe and- Oh, really? And yeah, like uh, South America. Like a lot of countries, they love, they're really patriotic. Mm. Once you turn pro, you represent- you don't represent your country anymore. You yep. represent yourself more okay. so. And I know Cuba, it's illegal to, to fight professional in Cuba. You get deported from your country. What? Yeah. So you have to leave Cuba and you can't come back. Yeah. Wow. Which is pretty full on. Rigandau, who's a two-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, left and he can't go back and see his family. Wow. Did Rigandau, or was it Chocolatito that fought Lomachenko? Rigandau fought, yeah. And he didn't he get, knock it off of his stool? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was heartbreaking to see because he was an exceptional athlete, but Lomachenko was just too good. Man, that was crazy. I couldn't yeah. believe that. Like, I thought Rigandau of all – but Rigandau was a bit smaller. Too small, yeah. yeah. And he was a bit older too, a bit, bit at the edge, end of his kind of career. But, I mean, yeah, the raps that were on him, you know, rightly so, and then for him to not get up, like, he must have just said, you know what, I'm in the Matrix. I don't like this shit. <laughs> I don't like – I don't want to be in the Matrix no more. 100%. I'm taking the fucking blue pill, bro. <laughs> Give me the blue pill. What's wrong with the blue pill? <laughs> Seriously, just enjoy your lot. We're living the Matrix anyway. What's the difference? Um, anyway, so yeah, so you beat the 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 gentleman from the great country of India, 
but couldn't withstand the might of Australia as usual. Not as usual, I just made that up. Um, so, so that's 2018. Now, now after you win that, are you like, I 100% like Olympics is next? Yeah, so the Olympics was is always been the dream. And the morning after, so I was only 20, the morning after, I didn't drink that night. The morning after, cat. woke up feeling <laughs> should have one of these Just beers. Just like blo- a pro boxer, a cat. <laughs> <laughs> should have one of these beers, bloke in a barbie. Would have been perfect. Apologies, apologies, apologies. But yeah, I remember waking up that morning and and just changing my phone background to tokyo yeah. 2020 like really? the olympics has always been the dream it's mm. this com games is just a great moment to really like show my worth and to, to the international boxing scene and mm. um yeah after that i just really honed in on on everything and it's not you're not fighting just you know the local <laughs> you know aussies that are, are solid but you know they're not the cream of the crop like you're fighting the cream of the crop technically boxing wise you know yeah it was it was quite amazing and it's when you're young you, you don't really realize how like special or important it is like you kind of just like i think as high performance athletes as well we're just like what's next what's yeah. next what's next and uh, that was the mindset i had so i to be honest i never really i don't really think about it that often mm. like to be honest as well the, the Commonwealth Games, of course, yeah, it's amazing. But like, the Olympics is a three, four, five times bigger scale than that. Yep. It's massive, and um, yeah, for me, it's always been making sure that I want a gold medal for Australia at the Olympics yeah, rather okay. than the Com Games. And Com Games is still a massive point, but it's always been the Olympics. Yeah. Um, so the next two years, and, and was there anything that happened in that two years that you know, did you get injured or like that? Or was it just smooth sailing to get to the Olympics? Yeah, so it wasn't really smooth sailing. I, I, I've been pretty lucky with injuries, but at the start of 2021, um, the Olympic year, I, uh, I did an injury in my hand. So it was a pretty common injury, boxer's knuckle. And um, the doctor said, I got an MRI scan and the doctor said, you're going to have to get surgery. And I said, how long is the surgery? He said three to six months. And I was just like, oh, I can't really do that at the moment, mate. And yeah um had to like i couldn't throw my hand for three months prior to the olympics was just doing my head in but mm. the last months before the olympics got a quarter zone in it and was able to throw it in training camps inspiring and um it wasn't ideal but also it didn't really affect me i made sure i did everything else outside of the ring to be prepared yeah. and um yeah finally the last month I was able to throw it but besides that the preparation of the lead-in was pretty solid yeah mm. i'm pretty grateful in a sense that COVID happened, you mean, I was able to spend some time at home, which doesn't happen. I was able to to really slow down. I yeah. think in the high-performance environment, we're often bullet a gate, and, and I am personally, and I was able to slow things down and work on technique, and that year I really honed in on my craft and making sure that I was, like, knuckling down and keeping my right hand up and, and, and trying new things, and it was a really good year, to be honest, and um, 2021, I was, once that year turned, I was like, it's all or nothing, let's yeah. go. Yeah, far out. So the training the training up to it pretty much went up without a hitch? Yeah, besides the hand, everything was, was really good, mate. Like we, we were lucky because of COVID. We thought we were just staying in Australia. And like it's manageable, but as combat athletes, you need to be sparring and competing Absolutely. against the best to, to sort of rise that yeah, occasion. Yeah. And we luckily got uh, accepted to go to America to train with the American amateur team at the uh, Olympic oh, Training lucky. Center. Mm. So we trained there for three weeks, high altitude as well, which is great for your fitness. And then we went to Japan, uh, a place called Miyazaki, which is two hours uh, south of, of Tokyo, and went there for three weeks as well. So we had a great six mm. weeks. Um, How'd you go? Like, because America, you know, a lot of those amateurs will probably turn pro. 
how'd you go over there? Spar- I know sparring isn't the be all and end all, but you can kind of gauge. Oh, you know, I'm moving pretty well with a gun in America. How'd you go over there? Yeah, it was good, mate. There was uh, boxing with some some extremely good boxers and. I know I have before, but it wasn't recently. Um, I think it was 2017. I boxed Shakur Stevenson, who is world champion, two-division world champion. It's absolutely exceptional. But there's some really good athletes, and I was quite happy with how I was boxing. Um, that was the first month. So my first spa after three, four months was actually in America after my hand. So, like, to get in there the first yeah. week, mate, altitude and hadn't sparred in ages. I got the shit punched out of me for the first <laughs> week. And just grateful to, to get that. You know, you kind of need to get, like, beaten up a few yeah. times to really realise, all right, I need to switch on. And yeah. it makes you rise to the occasion. And, and I'm pretty grateful that we had that uh, opportunity because I feel if I didn't, I probably would have got to the Olympics and, and maybe got, you know, in. Yeah. beaten it, up. Mate, it's, um, it's, like, it's like with rugby league, you can do the craziest off-season you've ever seen like peak condition like killing it like feeling like you could run all day wrestle all day contact all day you get to your first game and you're gassed in like 10 minutes and it only takes games to get game fitness just like i'm assuming boxing you need to spar to get used to the anxiety the pressure all that kind of stuff yeah it's the most important thing and what i noticed uh, i haven't sparred since the olympics so these leading into my next fight like the first few spars your body's not conditioned yeah so it's like it'd be the same for rugby like yeah. if you're if you're not smacking up up against other people or yeah. for us getting hit like your body your head you get more headaches your yeah. body's your arm you're like jesus christ like yeah. um but your body just needs to get conditioned to that trauma or that constant like beating and yeah. um yeah that's what we need that like and and you need the high quality as well if you're boxing people in australia like, yeah, you might be the best, the cream of the crop in Australia, yeah. but, like, that's a small pond. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really small pond compared to the rest of the world. And, um, yeah, that's something that I've realised. We really need to compete and spar and train and uh, alongside other international athletes. For sure. So you get across there, go to your first fight. How did your first fight go at the Olympics? Yeah, it was uh, the nerves and <laughs> angst before that fight was extreme. Um, but it was against someone who I, I hadn't fought before, but I'd, I'd sparred him, uh, John Umi from Papua New Guinea. And mm. he's absolutely he punches like a steam train. Really? Yeah, he punches like an absolute steam train. And I knew that. But I just knew technically I could just outbox him and, yeah. and box really smart. And I was really happy I got that fight. Knew he was an absolute dangerous puncher. But I knew I could just really box smart and play it safe and, and just get my eye in, just get that like nerves and get the, all yep. the preparation out on the table. And the first round was able to lucky to get through that and just like really just once that was done, then the second and third felt more and more comfortable. And yep. uh, it was a good hard fight, but happy to get that decision. And so the next fight, who was it against? Jonas Jonas, who uh, was someone who I've always wanted to fight for numerous reasons. I remember he has two first names. Yeah, hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he won the Com Games at sixty four, and I mm. won it at sixty. So he won at the weight above me, and okay. always wanted to just see how I stack up against him. And yeah. I love my dad's dad to bits, but I remember he said something after. After I won the Com Games, he's like, geez, that Jonas Jonas is good. Yeah. And I remember it. He's almost like like he was saying Jonas Jonas is better than me. And I'm just <laughs> like, all right. And I, was just, I just remember thinking that to myself. And um, I really wanted to fight him just to see how I stack up against him. And he yep. was an exceptional athlete. Um, but happy to get that decision. 
as well. Like it was box Where was really he from? Namibia, Namibia. Af- African country, yeah. Okay, yep. um, so yeah, box really smart and, and, and just did executed the game plan that the national coach gave to me, Kevin Smith, and uh, was really happy with my performance in that. That was a good hard fight. I knew if I could get through that, I could win a medal. And mm. um, yeah, the next fight against the Kazakh was definitely a really hard fight. Deserved a split decision, which it was. And yep. um, yeah, also someone who I've always wanted to fight. He, he, um, he's an extreme athlete, but he's a bit older now and he's been around the circuit for ages and um, never had the opportunity to fight him, but just grateful to get in there with him as well. And we put on a really good fight, which yep. is great. And so was that so that you beat the guy from Kazakhstan and then you fought the guy from Cuba? Yeah. So after I won the bout from, uh, the guy, I beat the guy from Kazakhstan, that's when I knew I secured a bronze and yep. um, it was just all steam ahead for that gold. And um, there's a, new, a few different things I haven't fully, only recently I actually watched the fights back. I went a bit mm. numb personally. Once I lost that fight against the Cuban, I went really numb, man. Like it's kind of just like, put it's so hard to explain exactly what happened but i just for about a month and a half i just felt like nothing was really like exciting me and um besides the my girlfriend she was like Mm. the only person i was getting energy from and Mm. and but besides that i was like i'm just really numb and i think i was just like there was a lot going on massive moment i think i just sort of pulled away from that that whole my i felt like i was like out of body experience for about six weeks (laughs) it was a weird (laughs) weird time man yeah um do you think it's like you know, you, you had this goal your whole life, the Olympics, the gold medal, and you fell short. So you're, not depression, that's a, it's a big word, but almost like an emotional vacuum kind of from it all. Yeah, 100%. And I think high-performance environments, oh, they, they breed like some severe mental health issues, yeah. um, whether it be depression or anything, like whatever it is. It's, it's just – but it's part of the mindset. And mm. it's part of the environment that you're in and it's part of part of it as well. And I think for me, just like I've been been there before, that was probably the heaviest for sure. Like like doing the two-week quarantine wasn't great when we got back either, like being yeah. trapped by yourself. Like it was full on in the sense of like battling a lot of demons, but also just like being aware. Like I knew that I prepared for that. Yeah. I knew that was going to happen. We have so many, like it's almost like you hit this peak you're like mm. even peak performance, peak emotional state, and you have to slum it. You have yep. to go down. You can't stay at that. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, every athlete that I've spoken to, they've once they've hit their, their peak, there's a massive slump. And, yep. and I went through that, man, and I feel like I'm on the other side, which is great. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's only natural. You know, you, you're building towards something your whole life, and, you know, you don't get it. Um, and I'm assuming that you're. Do you were you disappointed with your performance? Did you feel that you? Do you feel like it was more him taking away your weapons, or do you feel like it was you not performing on the big stage? Both, both. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really good good question. Um, after watching the fight, it was a bit embarrassing, man. Like that guy Andy Cruz. Uh, I knew he was the pound for pound best fighter at the Olympics. Like mm. he is well renowned as. Bit um, older as well. Yeah, yeah, more experience. Had he's had like 120 fights internationally, only lost eight. Wow. Um, I've had mate, buddy, 30, and I've probably lost more than I've won. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I just really wanted to see how I stack up against him. And the worst thing was like I'm massive on visualizing, and and before every fight, I was able to visualize myself getting the decision and being happy and boxing really well. And um, the warm up, I can visualize everything. I was in a really good headspace and. Before that fight, like I found it really hard to visualize it. Mm. Um, it's almost like I lost before I even got in the ring, and that sucks to say out loud. But 
um, yeah, it's the truth. That guy, I think, just his reputation got got to me. And yep. when we were actually in the fight, there was two things that I thought of, and I th- I think one of the biggest things, the best athletes in the world, Tom Brady, Kelly Slater, Serena Williams, these these top athletes, Denny Michael Kemp. Jordan. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Top athletes in the world, like they don't think what I've realized that they don't really, they're just like in the flow yeah. and they're, they're in this like flow state and um, that's when they're performing the best. And I was thinking too much in that fight. Yeah. The Cuban was just like, I was two steps behind because I was thinking about what I was doing. And mm. I think for him, he just took away my arsenal and was just too good at the mm. time. And, Watching the fight back, though, there were so many things that, that I can evolve, mm. that I can do better, so many things that I can change and not do. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm, I'm really happy. You only grow from stuff like that. If Absolutely. you want to be the best, you've got to fight the best and see where you stack up against them. Yep. And um, That's the attitude that I will always have. I mean, I love taking on the challenge and mm. never shy away from anything. I don't care who you are. I'll, I'll fight you. Yep. as that and try my best. If I get knocked out, if I get beaten, like, yep. that's fine. I'll get back up, dust myself off, and I'll try again. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's it sounds like, and I, I watched the fight. It seemed, and again, this is from a guy that doesn't really know much about boxing, but it seemed like you were waiting for him to do what it, the great thing that he does, rather than going, no, no, I'm going to control this fight. Like I'm going to do, I'm actually the man here. You're. It's very hard to say it. Like once it's yeah. all done, um, I, I I don't think it was a bad showing at all though. Like it's, it didn't dominate you at all in my yeah. opinion anyway i just remember like i obviously lost the first two rounds um like when we saw that so we saw the scores and mm. we, i knew that i lost the fight and in the third round i could have really i could have danced around and, and did like did nothing and lost the fight and and would have been like oh well at least i didn't get hurt but mm. like deciding that third round i'm like mate i've got to try and do something here yeah. in the third round i really tried to press the action and he probably bent me up more in the third round than what he did in any other round but I'll never die wondering because like I went and left. I died on my shield and, and yep. I tried my hardest in that third round and, and that's all you can really do as athletes. Yep. I mean, and you got to remember this guy is one of the best pound for pound in the world and you're still you're still a young athlete get coming through the ranks, you know, got a lot to learn. Um, and it happens even in, in footy, you know. A lot of teams before they run out against the Melbourne Storm are beaten because they're like, oh, fuck, mm. the Melbourne Storm. It's the teams that come, go out to the Storm and go, we actually – we don't respect you in like in a way we don't respect you we're going to play the way we want to fucking play um rather than play the way you want to play so um yeah i mean as i said i watched it i didn't think it was you know obviously you're going to be way harsher on yourself but <laughs> I, I didn't think it was as bad as, as you thought i thought you did a good you know made a good showing yourself so so that happens you come back were, were you always planning i mean i don't know are you planning to turn pro or yeah, so that's that's definitely the next step, and I've got you can't see it now, but I've got heaps of tattoos on my leg with all my favorite fighters, and yep. I'm a massive one. Everyone but one fighter, there's about six fighters on there. Everyone but one, they all went to the Olympics, won a medal, and then they turned pro and try and win world titles. Muhammad Ali, Lomachenko, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roy Jones Jr. The list goes on. Um, all these fighters, and I love the history of it. I think you have to do the Olympics and try your hardest and, and represent your country. And then, and then try and turn pro and win world titles and make some money. And mm. um, I think the rules are now that we can do both. Yep. So they've just changed them, and, and which is great. I think I said to my manager who I signed with to turn professional, I said, like, I don't know if I will go in three years' time to the next Olympics, to the Paris ones in 2024, but I want the door to still be open. Yeah, absolutely. I have unfinished business. I don't really care about the comm games. Yep. I haven't got unfinished business. But the Olympics, if the hunger, desire, the want – 
is still there, then yep. in three years, so I'm going to try again, have a red hot crack, and um, I want to be the first Australian to win a gold medal for boxing. And yeah, because you you're the first Aussie to win bronze, weren't you? First Aussie in 33 years. Yeah, we haven't won years. one since uh, 1988, yep. uh, where Spike Shaney won a um, silver, but we've never won a gold medal. Wow, wow, it's crazy. So, do you feel like your style for people that are not as in tune with the boxing world as myself? Uh, <laughs> amateur boxing and pro boxing is very different you know like i know i know they've tried to change amateur boxing up a bit with taking the headgears off and but amateur boxing uh and then you know correct me if i'm speaking out of term but it's very like points a lot of points um the gloves are heavier do you feel you have a, a style to suit pro boxing i definitely have more of an amateur style but like in the sense of like you kind of have to adopt whatever sport you're in. Yep. You can't – I couldn't fight like a professional in the amateurs. You'd get beaten by someone like that Cuban or yep. most other fighters. you get beaten pretty easy mm. in the sense like it's fast-paced. It's a bit more technical. It's a bit more of a sport in the sense of like you're there to like – you're not there to hurt someone. Yeah. You're there to beat someone. Yeah, because a ref but, will like jump in an eight count. Of course. If it's like – just yeah. stinging shot. Yeah, and I, that's, and I think in professional, you're there to hurt someone. You're there yeah. to do damage. You're there to like, it's a performance. Yeah, you want to show, fighting. yeah, prize fighting. Exactly right. You want to show that you're the man. And um, I'm excited for the for the next chapter. A lot of people, but I just add it to my arsenal. A lot of people don't back that I'll be any good as a pro. They think yep. that I don't punch hard enough. They think that I've got too much of an amateur style. But like, I'm excited. I just add that to the arsenal of, of yep. what who are who are the people I want to prove wrong. And um, you know, I'm the type of person like. Like I'll work at anything and, yeah. and I'll adapt whatever style I need to adapt. And I think from being in the sport for so long and my, my first coach, Brian Levia, he was a professional coach. So he taught me a lot. I was always in the corner of professional fights down in Melbourne and seeing how it operated and yeah. and, and I always saw that world. Like I understand it. I'm not, I'm not silly. I understand it. I understand the difference as well. And I understand where I lack and I understand what I'm good at. So I'll just be adopting a few things and changing a few things in my style, but I don't think it'll be a hard transition. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for it as well. Like there's no, I'm not going to be world champion in the next year. Like yeah. you got to ease into it. You got to, I'm 24. I'm in no rush. Yeah. Um, but hopefully by the time I'm 30, I'm, I'm world rated and fighting for world titles. That's the aim for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, again, you know more about boxing, way more about boxing than I do, but I feel like it's kind of a myth of like, if you're a good, amateur boxer you doesn't translate well to you know prize fighting because like look floyd went to the olympics lomachenko was an amateur boxer for ages there's example after example of amateur boxers doing well in boxing you know it's not it's not a super rare occurrence you know it's um, it's, it's just like it is two different sports but they it's still boxing yeah and and the reality is like being involved in the sport and if you like you can't teach having a good chin Mm. You've got a good chin, you've got good technical. I think boxing, amateur boxing is a little bit more technical. Yeah. So taking that into the pros, I think is a great asset to have. Yeah. Um, you've probably got to slow your feet down a bit more and take your time. There's no rush. In the yeah. amateurs, you've got nine minutes to really just fit in as much as you can. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're just two different things. But like, as you said, there's just so many fighters that have gone to the Olympics and then turned professional and won world titles and done really well. Bronze yeah. bomber, won a bronze medal at the Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like there's so many athletes that have done it. I I never told anyone this, but I actually never knew that you could go to the Olympics when I started boxing. Oh, really? So for like two years when I was boxing from nine to about 11, I honestly always just thought I was going to be the next Muhammad Ali. It's going to be oh, heavyweight. Really? Oh, I'm not heavyweight champion in the world, but I was going to be world champion. Yeah. And um, and then when I was about 11, someone told me that you, you can go to the Olympics yeah. for boxing. I was like, oh, 
then that was the dream. That yeah. was the focus. And after that, like I've always wanted to just turn pro and, and win yeah. more titles, and I finally get that opportunity. Mate, it's going to be so good. And um, speaking of with fingers, hey, that's so, cool. So I read a um, an article, and I, I actually asked you earlier. Um, so the article said that you, you wore um, you painted your nails because uh, a desire to defy gender stereotypes. Can you explain? to the people what what do you mean by that yeah so i think the things like in life that i think we're really passionate about this is how i feel are the things that are really close to our heart so this is something that was really close to me but it's also like you go to a comedy show right and someone gets offended by a joke mm. it's usually something that's like close to their heart or something like that and they don't get offended by any other joke but yeah. just that one joke and it's just like for me the gender roles that i felt were pushed on me when i was younger from my family, uh, from the school I went to, from society in general. Yeah. I just felt like there's a lot pushed on, like this is how a male's supposed to act, this mm. is what a male's supposed to do, this is what someone from this area is supposed to, how they're supposed to act and, and what job they're supposed to do. And I just felt like I played that role for a long time. Mm. But like looking back in retrospect, like I was eating me alive when I was younger and it wasn't like who I truly wanted to be and like – like I think just by painting nails, like it's just trying to show young people especially that like you can be and do whatever you want like mm. want to. You don't have to fit this mould that your parents, your friends, teachers, society pushes on you. As long as it feels right to you and as long as you're not hurting anyone else, like you can do and be whatever you want. And mm. it's something so small, mate. Like this doesn't affect me. And like it's something so small as painting my nails. Like hopefully that shows young people like like you can just – if a male, a young male wants to go and do something that's maybe a bit more class feminine, let's say maybe performance arts, that's no disrespect to anyone who does performance arts, but like maybe something like that, mm. hey, go do it. Like yeah. absolutely find that thing that like feels really good, lights you up inside, makes you inspired. Or if a young girl wants to, you know what I mean? It's a bit, a bit more normal now. But a young girl wants to take up combat sport and, and beat up people. Absolutely. Yeah. Go yeah. do it. You know, if it feels right to you, then I'm all about it. And I think that's the message I'm trying to get across by painting my nails. Yeah, and it worked. Uh, when, when you come in, I was like, I don't know how to approach this, bro, but do you have a daughter? And you, <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, no. Nah. And then you, you obviously told me, told me that story. And it's, um, it's true. Like, it's, it's about sifting. It's about sifting between, like, there are gender roles. There is tradition in gender roles that is a positive but it's about sifting between the pressure that's unnecessary and then also seeing the wisdom in certain things that, you know, where, where a, a gender role might be good is um, uh, two people raising a family. Um, you know, so that, that's, a, that's a tradition that is good to have a good family nucleus, yeah, regardless sure. of who those two people are, but just to have a good family nucleus. nucleus. For sure. Um, but in saying that, you also don't want to feel like you're confined to an arbitrary thing that society has gone oh you can and can't do that um and and you know it's really interesting is like you know bloke in a bar bloke's a very masculine thing but i think a lot of listeners um you know there's nothing wrong with being really bloke yet nothing wrong with it at all but also you can be whatever you fucking want to be who gives yeah. a fuck the best thing for me when i was growing up so my dad is a roof tile like the, the blokiest bloke ever me yeah and uh my mum is a medium so mum is like talk to dead people mm. since we're a spirituality and like what a mix so like because of that like and i was a lot more connected to my mum, but then also really wanted to get respect from my dad every Mm. every young person does and i think having that good mix i was able to like 
I'm a fence sitter on most most topics, like most global politics topics. Like I'm a fence sitter with most things in the world. And I think because having a dad who's really blokey, really manly, yeah. like tradesman and like loves hard work and yeah. rubbing his face in dirt and then my mum is <laughs> the complete opposite. Like I love that about myself that I can I can genuinely see empathy and I can understand both sides. I can mm. understand it. I don't have to agree with either side. Yeah. But like I can I always see be able to see both sides and I have respect for the person my dad is. He may have some old, old-fashioned tendencies, and but I just love him for who he is. And mm. the same with my mum. She might be a little bit more like less. Uh, she might be a bit too progressive in a sense. But mm. like I love that about yeah. her. And I think just being accepting of people. Most people are good deep down, and and that's what I'm like. That's what I realised in my life. Yeah, I think I think the key is just the conversation. Just like that's where it's not necessarily whether you agree or disagree. It's just whether you're willing to just have a conversation. Don't just immediately judge someone and be like, I can't talk to that person. Because like that's what's so frustrating about the internet is that if you don't have that human in front of each other uh, situation, it's very easy to dehumanize and be like, that's not a person. It's just some fuckwit on the internet. Whereas when you're in front of someone, very rarely do you say things that are if, – if you say offensive things to people for no reason in real, real life, you're, you should be outcast. Like you're a fuckwit. Yeah. But very rarely does that happen because we, we – that, that connection that you just all have with all humans, it's – it's there at all times yeah. and you can feel it and you don't want to offend and hurt people. It's so important as well. I think the best thing about being human is our human correct, like connection. Is, mm. It's the best. And when you have like a really deep and meaningful – a couple of days ago, I'll never forget it. I saw this lady, um, she's a bit of an old lady, probably in her 80s, and I was waiting to get a coffee and I had a, sp- I had a talk to her um, – like and I was just like, oh, like talking about her life, talking about her day more so, and and then a week later I saw her again, and her face lit up, and we had another great chat, and I yep. just like, it just like reinforced to me how important just talking to people are. You don't know exactly know what's going on in their life, and mm. just from having a conversation and going like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing today? And and just bringing a bit of light into life, and especially at the moment with what's going on with COVID, and mm. obviously coming to the end of it, but people are still a little bit like on edge a little bit, I feel. Oh, man, it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy wild. world, but I think just like bringing positivity to the table mm. and, and, and just like like bringing down their like to their level and just talking, hey, how you going? And, mm. and I love that about being human. Yeah, it's, uh, it's wild how, you know, huge media corporations have, they are incentivized to divide like they're in like they're incentive like they've got one side that's saying one thing another side and it's actually like a race to the bottom because the more extreme they can be the more money they make because the more people that are either clicking to be outraged or clicking to agree uh when in reality you could if you just sat down and spoke to people as you said this is very rarely if you're in a room with someone that you can't just have a conversation very rarely unless they are fucking like a despicable human being you know what i mean yeah 100 um no i think it's cool man i think um i i you know personally there's nothing more blokey than just being whoever the fuck you want to be that's Mm. that's what in my opinion that's what a bloke is and i think it is the new generation of bloke don't get me wrong i i think there's a lot of wisdom in the traditional bloke and masculinity i think there's so much value there that is often conflated with toxicity that actually isn't toxic um but i think that there's nothing more blokey than going this is who i am and I'm going to stand by it. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more with that. That bit about like, um, like I feel for young males. I'm really pa- obviously being a male, really mm. passionate about young men as well. And I feel like the world we're living in, it's like males are constantly getting shamed for certain things. It's yeah. like imagine being. I can understand being an adult. We can really decide. Imagine being a young male, 
and like hearing all this stuff about toxic masculinity and and like you've got to you can't say that you can't do that you can't act like that mm. you, know, you can't be too aggressive you yeah. know, turn it, this is like a it, it's almost a little bit more natural mm. for a male to have that yeah and i think the world we're living in now it's like i would just hate to be in a young male's like primary school or just early high school like trying to really understand the world when you're constantly told that hey that's not right that's not right when it mm. feels so natural to you absolutely to act a certain way and i just i just don't know i feel like they'll be like trying to like trying to really navigate this world and, and they wouldn't really understand like what's going on and they would mm. feel almost like they're the problem when it's mm. like you're not the problem like and that's yeah. it's okay to to feel that and it's okay to act like that sometimes i'm not saying go beat someone up but mm. like we're aggressive we're passionate and not saying that females are but like it's a lot more common um and i don't know i just i feel like it would be it'd be really weird for a young male right now absolutely and like and the, the, the issue is this is like a, a specific example beating someone up is wrong regardless of sex so it shouldn't be attached to masculinity it's, if a girl does it, it's wrong. If a guy does it, it's wrong. Now, do more men do it? Yes, but it's not inherently male to fight. Women fight as well. Um, but but on, you know, on the flip side of all that, you know what it's really made me appreciate? Because I'm, I'm with you. I think that it's crazy that young a lot of young men don't actually know what it is to be a man. Um, but it makes me empathize with, think about how many years women have been told, you can't do this, you can't play sport. You can't, um, you know, you can't be a go-getter. You can't be loud. Um, so I just think that, you know, both sexes have their struggles, but it doesn't mean just because one is struggling, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the other one's struggle. Of course. Um, but I'm totally with you. Like the the young men these days, I young men, especially like young, uh, you know, indigenous men. And, and I mean, they're already, they're dealing with that as well as the male side of things. So yeah, I, I, it's, um, it's tough. And because all that needs, not all that needs to happen, but a lot of it just needs to be conversation. Oh, it's conversation. That's why I think podcasts are, are going off. Mm. And it's so true. Like it's not, it's not gender based at all. Like each, each gender or each person has their own stuff going on. Absolutely. That. And I think, I know, like, it's really hard because we're really disconnected with social media and, and our phones. But, like, like, it's so true. That's why podcasts are great because yep. you can actually sit here. When do you actually get the opportunity in life now to sit down with someone and have a genuine conversation for over an hour? Mm. It doesn't Crazy. happen anymore. It doesn't happen. And I, I don't know. I think it's great. And I think if you could if you could take something out of this chat, even if it's this, like, like sit down with your family, put your phones away and ask them how their actual day was or yeah. what's actually, I always notice when I go to family engagements, like I haven't seen it for ages and you dress in different clothes and look a bit different and, and you, you present a little bit different to your family, like mm. your extended family. And it's like, no one ever really talks about what's actually going on. Like, hey, how's your job going? Or like, yeah. how's your, are you paying, paying all the bills at the moment? Yeah. Like what's actually going on? You know yeah. what I mean? But no one ever talks about that in my family at least. Yeah. It's like, fuck. Well, it's all small talk. Yeah, you small know, it's talk. Like, just like, you know, to get by, this is the right thing. Where family is supposed to see each other, but you don't actually really know each other that well. Um, no, it's uh, yeah. No, I think the the nail polish. I think it's great. It is a great conversation starter, and it's um, and it is good to start talking about that because, like a lot, a lot of blokes, you know, the, a young men that see you, and they see that you've got nail polish, but there's no one that can question your masculinity because you're a fighter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's the traditional sense of what is the most masculine you know, thing in the world. Oh, it's gladiators, it's fighters. Um, and so for anyone to sit there and go, oh, you know, what a pussy, this, that, the next thing, it's like, well, actually, I've, I've earned the right to, you can never call me that. Mm. So for, so young men that, you know, like 
may feel like they want to do something else when they see you doing like you know i don't have to feel like less of a man if i want to do something that isn't traditionally seen as masculine yeah and i love that about myself like I, i'm just a massive one on i'm like a bit of a walking contradiction my girlfriend mm. says that to me like like wear tans have a mullet but then also paint my nails and, yep. and sometimes dress in some weird clothes and like mm. i constantly just do things that are a little bit different and unique and strange and i just think that's the best thing about being a human is like each individual human is so complex, unique, mm. beautiful, strange, different. Yep. And like, that's what makes us so special. And um, yeah, I just really hope that like people like realize that you don't, you can just do whatever you want. Yeah. Like it's fine. And yeah. don't feel shame or guilt or no. um, regret for, for um, depending on what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is a fine I've got line. i got a lot <laughs> of shame and regret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no nah, man, I, I think it's fantastic what you're doing. I think it's uh, I think there's going to be a lot of young men, especially when you turn pro, um, that are going to f- realize that I can still have the good traditional things of being a man, but also if I want to have a bit of fun doing whatever something else, I can do that too. I think the next generation of athlete is really showing that. Like you even look at like a Kalen Ponga compared to my generation of athlete. Like Kalen Ponga, he'll dance, he'll put up TikToks, and yes, yes, the older generation they'll you know. <laughs> put shit on that but i think most people they'll put shit on it in a you know caring kind of way they don't really like dislike i mean he's one of the biggest superstars in, in the uh the country um and so but i just think it's good because it's showing that you can just do that kind of stuff whereas yeah. when i was coming through fuck me you could do that shit i always wonder as well like you think about the older generation how they sometimes criticize the younger generation like i wonder if our generation when we get older if yeah. we start, we probably will mate like, you know like, one promise i've always said to myself is never do that that's what i say I've as well but like, like it may I'll happen never, it may mate, just happen i don't know no nah, <laughs> if you're aware of it, you know what if you're aware of it i don't think it will it's yeah, like too conscious yeah i'm too conscious like when i when i as i said when i see caleb ponga dancing to tiktoks like i'm of a generation that would put you on him but i never put you on him because i'm like that's mad he's just being himself yeah that's good um and i think a lot of listeners to bloke in a bar that's why they enjoy bloke in a bar because it's just like we are blokey but also fucking do whatever yeah um no i think it's i think it's really cool uh i ask all the all the guests this favorite rapper of all time right oh that's a great question I really like uh, Fracture and Alex Jones. They're actually Australian rappers. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've got no idea who they are. Yeah, so, so I'm into damn, hip-hop. Deep yeah. underground. Yeah, underground art. Fucking hell. Are you, yeah. What about like... The old school like Biggie Smalls and Tupac and stuff yep. like that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I, to be honest, man, I'm real versatile. That's a really good question. Even loving some of the new stuff that's going on at the moment, like HP Boys, mm. One Four. You know, they're basically... What One Four's managed to do, it's just it's exceptional, incredible. isn't it? Incredible. Exceptional. Um, uh, Hooligan Hefts, yeah, hundred. Um, you got Lissy up in Brisbane, Logan. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I think it's it, and there's something like it's just that's like this. That's why multiculturalism is so good. It's because like only something different could bring that different sound. Like I know drill is more you know London and yeah, England yeah. and that, but they put their own kind of spin on it. And that's what's so beautiful about multiculturalism is that like you get these different feels and sounds and cultures and um you know don't get me wrong there's you know aussie hip-hop is fantastic but would have they suited a drill beat probably not but it's still like they're both cool in their own right 100 um so yeah I, all those boys doing those just just sick so good so well, good. i'm loving it absolutely love it. and there's where the scene's going it's just like I often get like a little bit. I wouldn't say depressed, but I get a little bit like like sad when you when you think there is music out there. 
that I will never hear, that I will potentially love. Yeah. It's like, damn, like, yep. man, I just wish I <laughs> You know what I think is crazy is like, how the fuck are they still making new melodies up? <laughs> yeah, like, no surely shit. every melody and beat has been made. <laughs> so true. But it's just like, it just keeps getting made. Yeah, it's the best. Fucking crazy. Our favorite movie of all time. Good Will Hunting. Good Will, great movie. Great, Absolutely. great movie. All time. Matt Damon, so good in it. Robin Williams. Yeah, unbelievable. And he just like, he, oh man, when he's like, you think you're so tough. Like when he's talking about, I think his wife or some shit. Mm. Oh, he's like, yeah, you don't know Christmas, nothing yeah. about love. He's like, you don't know nothing about <laughs> love. And he's just like, ooh. So good. He's so right, Robin. Fuck Paul. Oh, sucks <laughs> that he's gone. Um, if everything happens perfectly in the next 12 months, where are you and what are you doing? Ooh, a great question. Uh, I hope that got a bit more money in the bank as an amateur athlete it's 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 tough financially yep. and, and at least now professionally you can earn a bit of money and hopefully starting to like get a like a good good amount of savings and and boxing wise really hope that i'm like got a couple of regional belts and and sort of starting to like really make a name for myself in the international stage for professional boxing um hope that me and my partner are still together we're, we're doing really really solid at the moment mm. and fresh poor poor it's only a couple months old and um, uh, you've only been with her for a couple of months yeah honeymoon phase bro yeah i know exactly right so as i said yeah. it's going really well now but yeah. she's 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 33 a little bit older than mm, me i'm okay. going to be 24 so um yeah extremely mature and i'm i'm really happy with how it's going at the moment so i really hope that me and her are still kicking on and i'm um, doing really well and yeah i really like sydney so probably still in sydney don't get caught up in the sydney life though bro <laughs> swallowed many many a men and women um <laughs> Mate, thank you so much for coming on, bro, and good luck with the uh, good luck with the career, man. I'll be watching closely. Legend, mate. Thanks for having me. Done. Boom.